Welcome to the Curious Hope Podcast, where we wrestle with hard topics and hidden questions. My name is Pastor JD. Uh, I'm here once again at Blue Mountain Community Church, and we are continuing our series called City on a Hill, uh, where we look at uh, how Christ followers should engage with all different aspects of culture. And I'm very happy to announce that my guest today is going to be Pastor Nate Bowling, who is coming back after the running the gauntlet of our first three episodes of the podcast. So thanks for coming back uh, and being willing to be back on, Pastor Nate. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I enjoy uh, any form of advice slash wisdom I can bring to the uh, to the conversation. Awesome. So today... Uh, and I know we've talked about this just a little bit uh, beforehand, uh, but not much. So here's what we're going to be going through and talking about today. First off, we're going to start talking about money. Ooh. Everyone loves talking about money, right? Who doesn't love money? <laughs> so let's, let's look a little bit first at, let's talk a little bit about what money means in our culture. Uh, so what in, in, when I say our culture, I'm saying just the United States in general, Western uh, U.S. culture. What is the significance of money in our culture today? What would you say, Pastor Nate? Oh, I think it's my the two things that come to mind when I think of money in our culture. The number one is power. The number two is security. So in our line of work, we don't have the luxury of having a plethora of money. And that's okay because like for us, money doesn't equal power, right? For us, money is more of equal security. And so that's why I would say like the two things that I've witnessed in my life is money equaling power and security. What do you mean by security? So you went a little bit into power. What do you mean by security? Yeah. So for instance, like being able to pay bills, being able to take care of uh, incidents that happen that are not expected uh, the the security of knowing that you can take care of unexpected things and health and make sure you can get from get to work and do all the things that you need to do, I that's what I would call security. Yeah, it's almost like you can't. There's a lot of things that you can do if you have enough money, and a lot of things you can't do. So it's security, but it's also almost an enabler too. Like it enables you to whether it's follow your dreams or get a slushy, you know, that get a dessert and not just a meal or get a meal. It, it enables you to do things that you can do. One thing that I wrote down uh, about money too in our culture that I've noticed uh, is money is definitely a status symbol, whether that's like consciously or unconsciously and that like we um, perceive of people that have a lot of money as better people and people that don't have a lot of money as not as good people, whether that's you know conscious or unconscious, uh, I definitely think money is a status symbol. And one of the ways that I really see that is whenever people make a lot of money right off the bat, what do they normally go out and do? Spend it. They go and they get a nice car or they get a chain, they get some bling, you know? So to, to show, to flex, saying like, hey, look, I got a lot of money, Heck you know, because yeah. it's a it's a status symbol. Uh, can you share a story uh, from your life where you were e either able to flex financially? You know, you used money as a status mm. symbol and you're like, hey, look at me. Or a story <laughs> where you were looked down on because everyone was able to flex financially and you weren't. So as oh, you think man. of a story, I, I have one right off the top. So I'll yeah. share my story and then you Go think about it. yours as I say this. So uh, I lived and, and I'm... If any of you are living in the state or the place that I'm 
talking about, please don't take it as a personal offense, but I moved my senior year of high school to South Carolina and I had a terrible experience there. Uh, I went to a certain school, a private school, and I drove up, I think I had a 2000 Toyota Camry. It was my first car and I was still driving that. You know, it's a good, reliable, solid car. Uh, it's not fancy. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It's not great. Gets the job done. Yeah, but I remember driving up to school for the very first time and uh, and I've shared this story before with other people. It, it was like it was like a whole new world. Everyone was driving these, you know, latest edition Dodge Challengers or this pickup truck that you could tell had been lifted with all of the bling and accessories. Like I, I don't even know what it's ca called, but like the front guard and the lights on top of the pickup truck, whatever. Anyways, I instantly when I got there with my rundown Toyota Camry, I knew like wow, I'm at the bottom, <laughs> the bottom heap. Uh, right here and because of the th that kind of culture it it definitely money uh, was seen as extremely it, it was a big status symbol in that culture I had like no status yeah. <laughs> at all me and my Toyota Camry uh, yeah can you share a story where you either were able to flex financially or you weren't so two come to mind uh one of the <laughs> the I don't know if this is a great story or not, but it's the only one that came to mind when I was thinking about like flexing was, so the year was, oh gosh, I want to say like two, 2001, 2002, whatever year the Xbox 360 oh. came out. So like that holiday season, those suckers were hard to get a hold of, right? And not only were they hard to get a hold of, they were hard, like, they were, no one could really afford them. They were like 300 bucks straight up. Which back then is a lot more money. Oh, yeah, man, today. that was yeah. expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to get one for Christmas. And, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of took a lot of pride in that. And so, like, pretty much everywhere I was going, like, I was in middle school. Everywhere I would go, I took my Xbox 360 with me. <laughs> Wait, are you what, Yeah, so like whether that was to like my grandma's house, my cousin's house, wherever, I had it with me just in case I could hook it up and play. Little did I know that you needed like Wi-Fi and stuff because like I really didn't know what I was doing. I came from Nintendo stuff where like you didn't need to be connected to the internet. But yeah, so that was a time that I would say that I I flexed. I don't know how relevant that is. But the other time that I would say that I was flexed on uh, would probably be my whole college experience. Um, I went to a private Christian school, as you did as well. And like, I don't know if your school was like mine in the sense of like, private Christian schools tend to have a certain demographic of really rich people that can afford to go there. Yep. Where mom, mom and dad, you know, yeah. paved the way to get there. And yeah. so like it felt weird because like everyone's driving really nice cars. I'm driving a beat up uh, Jeep Liberty that barely does what it's supposed to do. Um, and then like, Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, like, Bermuda for, like, spring break. And I'm like, uh, I'm going back to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, joke's on you. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, fell out of place a lot of times. And then I managed to find a, a niche, a group of people that were in the same kind of financial status 
as me and uh, became really good friends with them. Not saying that that had anything to do with it, but it definitely helped me in that area of not feeling as bad about things. <laughs> yeah. And that's because money is seen, you know, as such a facilitator for security. And like we're talking about money is power, you know, it's status. What can happen then is, you know, we're telling stories where we fell out of place or where we were able to flex on people. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what flex means, that means like showing off. That's yeah, yeah. Showing <laughs> that is off. more lingo. I'm thinking like, would my parents know what the word flex means? So flex means showing off. So like, when have you shown off? Yeah. Um, your money. But I think that what what it can cause is, and I know, you know, I'm just, it's easy to get jealous of people that have money that have a nice car. I know when people drive by, because I, I love Ford Mustangs. I used to have mm. an old, you know, a older Ford Mustang. But when I see a nice new one, I get so jealous if oh, I'm yeah. being honest, like, oh, I would love, you know, to have that. And that's why, you know, we like to show off when we have money or we get jealous when we don't. It's because in our culture, money it's it's a status symbol you know it represents power you know it represents a lot um of different things but if we think you know about what's at the root of it so why why do you think that is so why do you think it is a status symbol i've been i've been struggling with that question myself internally cuz like oh man how often do you how often do you find yourself going out to, in public, especially well, these not days? Now. <laughs> but like when yeah. you when you do, you find people wearing some very obscure things and things that you're like, why are you wearing this? Because like it doesn't apply to the environment or the situation. One of the things that I think. I, I've been thinking about the most is like AirPods. AirPods. Right? I was thinking of yeah. the exact so like, same thing. So like yeah. I'll be out doing something. For instance, like we go grocery shopping. We live not that far from Walmart. We go to Walmart. I have on multiple occasions been in Walmart grocery shopping and seeing another couple grocery shopping and one of the partners in that couple is wearing airpods as they're shopping and i'm like hmm okay airpods inherently aren't bad they're not necessarily like they're pretty expensive but why are you wearing them right here right now when you're with another person i'm like what i feel like you're trying to say something you know what i mean yeah. like you're not wearing those because like it's ideal yeah, you're wearing them to say something. Well, and that's I think I think you hit the nail on the head, at least for me, because when I'm thinking about this, because uh, it's it's hard for us to sort of get outside of our heads. Well, because we think because we've been, you know, raised in America. Well, of course, money's important, you know, but why is it actually? And I think it has a lot to do with consumerism and the fact that we value things over people so like in the story you're saying you're trying to say something and you're ignoring your spouse who's yeah. right next yeah. to you we value things and you know how we're perceived more than we value people um i want to bring in yeah so it's just a, we live in a very materialistic and a consumption-based society uh some statistics i want to bring in some statistics so uh, and this was shocking to me to read a 2018 pew research study said that 23 percent of people value money more than anything else in life. Wow. Do you know what the percentage of people that value friends more than anything in life? 
Oh gosh, I don't even know. It's, it's less. It's 19%. Wow. So we live in a culture where people value money more than they value Relationships. friends. Which is, I mean, it sounds crazy to say it out loud, you know, because we're like, oh, that's not how it should be. But that's just uh, the fact of the matter. Uh, in money, uh, there's a few more statistics and some of these don't apply as much to what we were talking about, but it applies to the fact of like how integrated money is into our lives. Um, the average American, according to a 2017 Experian uh, study, the average American has a credit card balance of $6,375, uh, $6, hmm. which is a lot. Um, there are many, I'm going to just, the rest of the statistics I have, there are many studies that conclude that arguments uh, over money are the number one stressor in a marriage. Uh, they are the number one topic of fights in a marriage, and they're the number two cause of divorce behind infidelity. So cheating mm. on your spouse is wow. the only cause of divorce that's higher than money itself. So it seems like, like you're saying, money, you know, money and showing off money, having that kind of power, uh, it, yeah, it's almost more important than relationships, at least in our culture. Yeah, money, it's a weird thing but money determines a lot i don't like that it does but like i'm not i'm i'm not gonna lie to our listeners my wife and i have had many many conversations many disagreements many uh different views on money and it's because like she's a saver i'm a spender that's that's who we are but also, I think that comes down to like more than just money. It's like a philosophy of life. I think also, which is, yeah, it's a, it's, I think there's some more deep rooted things in the conversation of money, uh, that go unnoticed. Yeah. So I think it'll be good, um, to say how, how can we get, you know, deeper at this? Uh, I have a few Bible verses that I'm going to read right now. The first uh, is from Ecclesiastes, uh, which you know you already know I'm a big Ecclesiastes fan. Oh, who is it? Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10. Uh, and so it says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And even just thinking personally, like that's, that's just how it goes because you can buy the new Xbox 360. Yeah. But then the Xbox One is going to come out, yep. and there's always going to be something new, something you know, bigger. Uh, and it almost goes to the fact that money, putting money, you know, as the god of our lives, uh, it will never fulfill us, uh, whole, you know, completely. Um, I have one or two more, so I want to sort of start challenging our situation also. So we're talking about, yeah, money, it shouldn't be the most important thing, even though it is, relationships should be more important. Uh, but what about for people where money is absolutely essential? So we're mm. both talking as people, uh, you know, who are, who are privileged in the sense that we both have jobs. Yeah. And for us, money isn't the most important thing because we can both afford to put food on the table tonight. Yep. Uh, how do you think this conversation changes for someone who you know, needs money so badly. Uh, do you think that it's a little different? Do you think we should be careful in how we talk about it because of those situations? I think I would, yeah, I would say so. And money changes. I mean, money for some pe 
people equals life. Like, if there's no money, there's no living. And I'm not talking about buying the latest bougie thing or like, I'm talking about putting food on the table. I'm talking about having basic human needs, having a home. Um, I've went to, I've taken the kids on the, in the youth to, uh, Lapaway, Idaho and to, uh, Heart Butte, Montana before to Indian reservations. And we did kids camps at both of them. And like in though, in that culture, money equals like just being able to do basic things. It's not that they're using money to do ridiculous things. Money equals, hey, I can actually like provide for my family and give something back and pro- put food on the table and do all the basic things that we take for granted. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, don't think about money. Stop caring about money if you have enough money. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know? And so... Uh, we want to definitely keep that in mind when we're trying to push off this love of money and this love of things um, that we, you know, we can afford to do that. But we have to be understanding with people, you know, who can. Would we call it love, though, for those people? I don't know See, if I would call it love. I think, I think that's a good, I think that's a good, um, a good I wouldn't point. Say, what do you mean? Expand, expand on yeah, that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that what they are, their need for money is not love. I think that it can ultimately, like as we've witnessed in our own lives, ultimately lead to a love of money. But in their in their stage of life right now, I would say it's a need. It's not a love. Mm-hmm. So it's not. So it's not. It's money. They need money. You know, people who are less fortunate need money to get, you know, shelter, food, security. So it's not really the money. It might seem like they're, you know. So I think that's a great um, point is that in all circumstances, love of money is bad. Um, But we need to be careful to judge to people, be careful not to judge people who are obsessed with money because we don't know what their circumstances are. Uh, Yeah, those are some, those are some really good, uh, some really good points there. I want to sort of shift and start talking about uh, consumerism because I think these two things are tied so tightly and how our society views money I think it's tied to the fact that we consume, consume, consume. So I'm going to start off by, uh, well, I'll I'll just start off by asking, what are some examples um, of consumption and how rampant it is uh, just in the world, (laughs) in in our society? And I can, you know, I can bring up examples from my life because I'm, you know, bad at this too. Something as simple as Netflix, for example, right? Uh, I know my wife and I, when we, you know, have had a long day, and I don't want to. I want to start off by saying we're not just saying, "Oh, all consumption is bad." But let's talk about how integrated it is, you know, into our society. So we'll get home uh, after a really long day, and we love to just, you know, cuddle up on the couch and watch a few Netflix TV shows together. Who doesn't? Yeah. And so that's one example. Do you have any examples of consumption in your life Man, that you see or that you? I would? have too many. That's the problem. <laughs> the we've been trained really well to be consumers in our in our culture, in our society. And I hate to admit it, but it is who I am. I am a consumer. And I do, uh, like, for instance, like, whenever, like, the new Mac products drop, I'm that guy who's like, man, I really, 
really could go for this, but I don't really need it, but I want to go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. get me. Um, but yeah, it, man, technology, even like food, how, how off, I mean, you're a vegetarian, so you don't, you don't have to deal with too much of it, but like every time I get a Taco Bell commercial, they added something new. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got, I need to go try that. Like yeah. Taco Bell, like, Oh my goodness. Like that is, that's how we've been trained. Yeah. And I know for a fact that let's just talk about Walla Walla as a whole. I know Walla Walla as a city is really bad at this too, because anytime anything new pops up, Oh my gosh, it, it is crazy. Good luck doing anything like that new food service store. Like you can buy in bulk. Oh, Have you, really? I haven't. It heard took of it. forever to even get a parking spot <laughs> at that place. Like wow. anytime anything new pops up, yeah. Walla Wallens flock and like just consume the crud out of whatever it is. When Mod Pizza opened up, mm. oh my gosh, it was insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, and so it's not just uh, us. So the amount that Mer- Americans spend on Black Friday, ooh, just is more than half of what Americans give to churches yearly. Oh, The average American home has 300,000 items, according to the Los Angeles Times. Uh, on average, every American throws away, guess how many pounds of clothing per oh, year? Gosh. I, pounds of oh, clothing. I don't even, Just guess. I don't even want to know. 68 pounds of clothing. The average American throws away 68 pounds of clothing every year. Oh. Uh, and Americans spend $1.2 trillion a year on non-essential items. So this is 100% something that is ingrained uh, into uh, So I'm going to read a Bible passage, and then I'm going to ask the question, is consuming bad? So we're mm. saying all the bad things, and we'll qualify that in a second. But uh, this is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 uh, through 21. Uh, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And this is Jesus talking. Uh, But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know what I'm thinking while I read this passage Mm. is about how right after COVID hit, (laughs) many of us, and I did this, run to the store and grab as many rolls of toilet paper we could possibly imagine, you know, grab everything that we possibly can. Um, This passage is really condemning towards someone like me who loves to shop at Costco and likes to buy $20 tubs of Nutella. Uh, If you're listening, don't judge me for it. It was awesome. (laughs) It was this industrial-sized tub of Nutella. That is amazing. Yeah, uh, it was great. But uh, for those of us who, yeah, it's hard not to want to do that to build a bigger barn, uh, store up more crops, but our lives could be required of us at any day. So 
Pastor Nate, is consuming things inherently bad? <sighs> Man, as much as I want to say yes, I'm actually going to say no. Okay. And I'm going to say this, moderation. I think it's okay to consume. I think it's okay for that to happen. I think moderation is key. I don't think there's anything wrong with Netflix. I don't think Netflix inherently is evil. I think that the overindulgence and like the the parts of your life that you can't get back when you've consumed too much, that's the issue. I don't think sitting down and watching some shows when you have nothing else necessarily to do and work on is a bad thing. Um, I don't think that having like, I don't know, like I'm an, I'm an Apple guy. So having an, an iPhone is bad. I think when you let it control your life, I think that's a real issue. Uh, yeah. So moderation is what I would say. But here's the hard part. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing oh, on this. Keep I'm going to keep throwing you fastballs. For us, as an American, moderation means, yeah, I only need five pairs of shoes. That's fine. For many people who live in different parts of the world or people who are in America that are less fortunate than we are, because I, I think it's safe to assume both you and I um, are quite privileged compared to most of America. Oh, I would agree. For us, moderation might look very different uh, to us than someone else. So while we may not be... Um, condemning ourselves being like oh yeah you know i'm being moderate uh, i only have you know two you know two or three houses and i only have five cars and three pairs of shoes i'm being moderate because i need all of these things uh, how do you draw the line of moderation when as we've been talking about this consumption and money centric uh, attitude is so ingrained into who we are you know i would my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit can convict. Uh, that's 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 how I would say so. Is like just because someone has ten pairs of shoes and they consider that moderate for them, I would hope that at some point the Holy Spirit would tug and be like, "Hey, you know, like this is this is too much." Um, I'm a big fan of collecting. Uh, I, I got a few hobbies. One of them is comic books and stuff like that. And like, I mean, if I collected every single one that I wanted to, I would have to build a new barn. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, but for me, like I limit myself because like, I mean, it's a deep trail you can go down. And so I limit myself. And by limiting myself, that might be like, on occasion, I'll be like, okay, one a month, one comic book a month, or one every now and then. You know, like, I I limit myself because there is a bit of conviction that I experience of like, yeah, what, what am I going to do with all these? Like, if I was to die tomorrow, Bethany's left with <laughs> all these comic books that she's got to do something with, you know? Like, so there is, a, there is some conviction involved in, like, my consumption and i typically make a rule for myself when i like buy clothing 
So right now, I would say I have enough clothing to cover me for two weeks, right? I think that's a pretty okay amount of clothing. Like, I have enough for two weeks. If I was to buy a new shirt, then I make myself get rid of a shirt to replace that shirt. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's one thing. Yeah, yeah. No, one. well, what it seems to me is that you said sort of that you limit what you... You can want something. Absolutely. And you don't I have a get list. It. Yeah, you have stuff that you want, but that doesn't mean that you get it. And that might sound simple, but it's something that we're not taught. You know what? Sure. Every single advertisement we see on Facebook, on TV is if you want it, then get it because yeah. you can have a credit card and buy things you can't afford. So And then go into debt yeah, and being, then like ruin your life. So yeah. being, re- <laughs> being responsible normally doesn't factor into what we get. Uh, what this Bible passage is talking about, having more than we you know, can use, society doesn't tell us to take that into consideration. It just says, if you want it, you get it. Yeah. But what it looks like uh, this passage is talking about is that just because you want something doesn't mean that you should get it. And mm-hmm. just because you have something doesn't mean that it's best you know, to being To keep used, it to yourself. Right? Yeah. Also. So... I'm going to dial up the speed even more and ask you one of the Ooh. hardest questions that I've ever encountered. I remember being asked this question in college uh, in a philosophy class, and it really convicted me, uh, and it's really hard. So if we truly value people over money, we truly love our brothers and sisters uh, that are here on this earth more than we value money, and, and we can even just keep it in the United States, why don't we... Give because what loving someone else means is valuing them more than yourself. Why don't we give our money away to charities, to people who are less fortunate? Why don't we give our money away until the point where it will hurt us more than it helps them? Mm. So what I mean by that is say if if I were to have a hundred dollars right now, I could, you know, someone you were to just hand me a hundred bucks out of your wallet. I could go and I could give that to, you know, an organization. Uh, an organization we had here at the church, Children of uh, Children of Promise. Yeah. Right. I could take that and sponsor, you know, a kid for three months with that money, and I guarantee you that that would help that child a lot more than me using that one hundred dollars uh, and going out and buying uh, a leaf blower. That's one thing that that I bought recently <laughs> that my wife is like, "Do we need a leaf blower?" And I, mean, I think she might yeah. be right because I could, you know, use the rake instead. of of the leaf blower. But that's my that's my question is why don't we give until the point where should we give until the point where it hurts us more than uh, it would help someone else. So I'm just let me see if I'm following right. So like we people are willing to go into debt for like a PS5, right? Mm. Right now like that's a hot commodity and people are willing to like go into far debt to get themselves one. And so why are people willing to do that versus do that kind of same mentality, but by helping other people out? Pretty much, yeah. I'm saying if if you are a Christ follower, if we are a Christ follower, we're called to love everyone else more than ourselves. Uh, with my paycheck, why don't I give almost all of it away to the point where I can still survive mm-hmm. and it won't hurt me giving everything away but still give almost all of it away to people that it will help more than me spending it on a leaf blower. <laughs> I have an the, answer. Okay, this but... <laughs> is a really hard question. I told you. I'm not I'm not going easy on you fast. I, I have an answer, 
but I want the listeners to know, like, it's don't take offense to this. But it like if we deep down search our hearts, we know that this is true, that inherently we are selfish. Um, it's a lot easier and it's a lot. And that's the other thing, too, is it's a lot easier to spend money for ourselves than it is for someone else. It's a lot easier to justify something when it's for us versus someone else. And yeah, we and our society has trained us to like, it's about us. It's about you. It's about like what oh, I had a friend. He uh, was telling me it's about like people like businesses are like, oh my gosh, I totally am. Gonna, I'm botching it. That's fine. But it's Just keep going. like m- the marketing to us is about us, the consumer. Like it's not about us sharing. It's it's about the the companies making their almighty dollar, and they've gotten really good at it, like extremely good at it. And yeah, so I think it's a combination of all those things. But my but you're not answering my question. What should we do as Christ followers? Oh, what should we do? Yeah. Well, that's an easy question or easy answer. Like we need to stop consuming for ourselves, right? So you would say. To answer this question, you would say we should do that. We should give all of our money away to the point where it would hurt us. I think we should do better. Uh, I think stewardship is important. Mm -hmm. Like God gifts us with what we have, and it's up to us to use it to build and further his kingdom, right? And so, yeah, I think we can do a better job. I don't think that... In any world, either it being us going all out helping people or all out consuming for ourselves, I don't think any going to any place where it should hurt us financially is a wise thing. Why not? Because see, that's I, I'm gonna because sure. you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. If someone, if I could give twenty dollars and still be able to pay my rent and put food on my table, but my twenty dollars would help someone else out more um then it's i could kinda, use a leaf blower yeah the, the twenty dollars i give away is going to help someone off else sure. out more than me buying a leaf blower i i'm going to use the example of like when you're flying and the plane is losing oxygen in the cabin mm-hmm. they tell you to put your mask on first yeah and then to help the people in your aisle or people next to you I think in order for us to be the best we can, we need to help ourselves first Mm -hmm. and then worry about our neighbors. I think that's a really good analogy. So you would say help ourselves first, but we still need to be mindful of trimming the the extra barns from our life. But if we're not in a good place and we're not making good financial decisions, then we can't help anyone else. Exactly, yeah. So that's part of what stewardship means is figuring out how to put that oxygen mask on yourself through education, saving, working hard. Uh, But then focus on putting masks on others, not just pumping millions of (laughs) molecules of oxygen through our mask while other people. Exactly. And I know that I know that I personally can do a better job. That's that's what I was getting to it is my the way that I answered this question after wrestling with it for weeks in college was. We should give more money away, and we suck. <laughs> like yeah. we as Christ followers, 
we're selfish. Like we you said, we're selfish. And a lot of times we just don't want to do what we should do. And it's going to be a lifelong, you know, struggle like the rich young ruler. Uh, and I think that's encouragement though. Like the rich young ruler who Jesus said, give all of your possessions away. And he went away sad. That's pretty much all of us Christ followers who are here, you know, in the United States. We're like the rich young ruler. We can still take hope though, because the disciples are like, well, then who can get to heaven? Because nobody's going to go and just give all of their money away. That's hard to do. Uh, but Jesus said, you're right. You shouldn't get to heaven. You know, with man, that's impossible. But thankfully, it's still possible with God. But we yeah. can try harder. <laughs> we can all, and like, this is just my general rule of thought, is we can always do better. Hmm. Uh, like, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I'm flawed. I know that I'm broken. But I'm also not naive to think that every human being on this earth is doing the absolute best they can do in these efforts. Mm -hmm. I can say like mother Teresa did a great job, <laughs> you know, yeah. like mm -hmm. that isn't like one of the few examples that we can think of, of like the most selfless, mm -hmm. like sacrificing person, but that's about it. Like, we, so if we're all not Mother Teresa, I think we all can do a better job. Yeah. And even she, it's funny, even she had actually some messed up stuff. <laughs> no, she absolutely she did, yeah. So like we all <laughs> yeah. can do it. Even Mother Teresa. Could have done better. <laughs> yeah, and if you, I, we're not going to talk about this, but you can just Google that if you want to. But yeah, yeah we, we can all, we can all uh, do better. I that's That's so wise that you say that. I think that's a great, just a great philosophy and a great way to approach life. Um, is that we can all do better when it comes to consuming and money. Uh, oh, so we can all do better in all a lot areas. of things. <laughs> like, let's be honest, yeah. like perfection is not yep. something we can accomplish mm -hmm. in this life. Yep. We, we, we suck. That's why we love Jesus. Yep. Love Jesus. Uh, let's talk about this in the church. Ooh. You, you came to me two weeks mm. ago and you said, yeah, something I've heard a lot and I'd love to talk about is the phrase, I'm not being fed. Oh, I've heard this yeah. phrase too before where someone will, you know, when choosing a church saying, you know, yeah, but I'm just not being fed there. So I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Uh, what, what do you think of this phrase and how it relates to consum our consumption-based me selfish attitude? It's, it gives me the heebie-jeebies, man. Like I hate that phrase because it's like it's taking away that there's any responsibility on the actual person and that it's the industry or the 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 company the church that isn't fulfilling that need so i'm i'm gonna shop a different place because it's not fulfilling that need forget that man it's like i don't oh. like taco bell's menu anymore because they got rid of the spicy potato so soft tacos i'm going to tell taco yeah like even though they don't have spicy potatoes, <laughs> like, you know, like nowhere has them, but you know what? They don't have them anymore. I'm going to Del Taco. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot stand when like, there's been several times in my life where people have told me that about them kind of hopping ships to a different church or something saying like, Oh, I just wasn't being fed. And it's taken a lot for me to bite my tongue in those situations because they're, they're literally saying, like, I, I'm just a mindless person that just as long as, like, I'm being 
taken care of by what the person's saying and saying what I want to hear, then it's mm-hmm. okay with me. Yeah. So oftentimes when people say this phrase, I'm not being fed, it's a very, for very selfish reasons. But isn't it important though to still be fed by the place that you're going to, the church that you're going to? Here's my thing. I don't think it's necessarily the church's job to feed. What's the church's job? I think the church's job is to provide opportunities to be fed. Hmm. If you aren't getting fed, then maybe you need to do some like self-introspection and check out why you're not being fed. And then realize, hey, you know what? I know a way that I can be fed and take it upon yourself to feed yourself. Because the situation is, and JD, I'm guessing you're, if you haven't learned this, you are going to learn this, uh, working in a church. There's a lot of Sundays that it's work for us, right? It's not, it, it's not like we just get to be in like a normal church congregant and show up and just be. We have to take it on our own responsibility to feed ourselves nine times out of ten on a Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. I I love Pastor Jim. I and like this has always been the case since I've been in like ministry. But it's not every Sunday that I get something out of the message, right? I've heard a lot of messages in my life. I've been going to church my whole life. It's not always the the message from the pastor that actually does something for me. Knowing that, I've taken it upon myself to learn how I get fed and what things fill my spiritual cup and what things push me and make me grow. And I take them upon myself and do those. Like maybe listening to a podcast. No, podcasts are huge in my growth and development. Mm -hmm. They are. And this one especially. I love Curious Hope. But you got to figure out what really is the thing that that like fills the soul for you. And guys, listeners, the church won't always be that for you. The church fulfills a lot of needs. Sometimes it's not always the ones that are feeding you and the ones that are filling your spiritual Because the church isn't all about you uh, Amen. individually. Amen. One thing I'm thinking about this too is I've always thought, yeah, it's important that the church provides opportunities for you to be fed. Agreed. But that's not the primary importance. Uh, I would think a good response to someone saying, I'm not being fed, is saying, well, are you feeding like others? Are you, if you're not being fed by the church, the church isn't just there to entertain you. Are you volunteering at the church? Yeah. Are you pouring, you know, your heart into the community that's there? Are you inviting visitors over for lunch? Probably not now because of COVID. But are you, like you said, I just love what you said, are you putting your work in to be fed and also to feed others? Because yeah. that's, the gospel doesn't call us um, to you know just be discipled. The gospel calls us to go and make disciples yes. of all nations, to go and feed others, not just be fed, not consume. It's not about us. It's about other people. Um, so I love, I love how, you, how you put that, that it's not... The church is not all. It's not the church's job to always just be there to feed you. No. And that's a lot of people think that because we're taught that by society. But that's not how the church works. I think the best. I mean, I can't say that there's a perfect analogy of the church, 
But one of my favorites is that of a lighthouse. Like the church is just supposed to be this safe place. This place for people to know that they're loved and accepted. And it's not supposed to be a place to consume, be a consumer and, oh, they didn't say something that I liked or, oh, they're just, you know, it's not, it's not feeding me. And like abandoned ship. Like, especially during, before COVID, after COVID, it's important for you to stay anchored into your community and to be putting forth effort in that community and to be helping the community grow because that's ultimately like what the church is supposed to be and be about. Are there any resources or anything? Would you just say it, it, it's a matter of having those conversations and trying to um, rewire our brains? Because I'm thinking, what if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, you're right, I have been thinking of the church as just you know, a place for me to consume. Uh, what would your advice be, Pastor Nate, to sort of help us along this path? path? You sort of answered the question I'm asking already by saying, seek out what fills you. Is there, are there any other practical steps that you would advise us to take on how can we sort of relearn what the church's role is well always books are good um trying to think of a book off the top of my head that helps with this i don't have one but if i if i uh remember one i'll definitely make sure that we get that out there but i mean ultimately you as a person have to find out where it is you meet God the most. One of my my number one places where I meet God the most is praying and walking. Like a prayer walk, man. Especially like it's even taken to like a whole new level when I'm outside. That is the place where I meet God the best. Is that where you meet God the best? Not necessarily. You have to do some exploration and some, like I had a friend in college who like, he was the spokesman for Lectio Divina, like, which is like meditation, worship through scripture. Mm -hmm. Like he loved it. And that's where he met God the most and the best for him. I'm a fan of Lectio Divina, but that's not my, my niche. And So you got to find and you got to do some exploration into like prayer, scripture, sermons, talks, conversations. One of the best places I also grow is in conversation like this. A podcast of us having a conversation is where I grow. And that's where like listening to other podcasts and people doing similar things and talking theology and scripture pushes me and helps me grow but i just encourage everyone to figure out where that place is that they meet god see the I, best. that's the best takeaway possible we are not filled up by church by sermons by music whatever we're filled up by god yes and there's a lot of avenues to that for one person being filled up by a church service that's great. That's wonderful. But that's not everyone. But that so. that that is also a thing that it's not supposed to stay there. You know, mm, yeah. it's great that the church can do that, but it's not meant to stay there. Mm-hmm. 
It's meant to grow and to deepen and to widen. Yeah. It's that's the thing is like church is great and I will always go to church, but it's not meant to just stay there. When you're being filled up by God, uh, you stop blaming the church for not being filled up. Yeah. Because <laughs> you realize it never was the church filling yeah. you up. It's God, and he can Absolutely. access us through the church. But, but also I, some I also want to say this. I want to say that even though the responsibility is on us, that does not give an excuse to not be a part of a community. Mm. Church is super important. If the church wasn't important... Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. Paul wouldn't have established, well, help establish it. Like literally the church wouldn't be a thing if we didn't need the church and community. It's still important. So it's important to realize the responsibility is on us, but it's also important to memorize that church and community are still vital. It's just that the community isn't what fills us up. We are a community of people filled up by God and being a community can be how God fills us up. Exactly, but rewiring that consumeristic mindset where it's all about me. No, church is a place where we're we are with a bunch of people who are trying not to be selfish, trying to say it's not about me; it's about loving other people. Uh, and yeah, that's church is about it's still us. so important yeah. to be with that group of like-minded people who aren't being selfish. It's or about trying to us be bringing what we have to the table. Hmm. So, like, if you're filled and I'm filled and we're coming to the table together, yeah. like, that's what it's about. And it's about us, like, the the ancient Jewish tradition of reading Scripture, they would read Scripture aloud and around a table with multiple people to literally discuss what they're reading. And, like, I think that's the same concept for the church is, like, we are coming all together and being filled up together or separately, however we're getting filled, and contributing to growing in life in God. That's just, that's that's awesome, Pastor. Now, I have to wrap us up because we're about uh, at our time. There's a lot of notes that I didn't, that oh, we gosh. weren't able <laughs> even to get through. My bad, man. I'm sure we'll have, no, don't say you're bad. I'm saying this is a great conversation, and I'm sure that we can uh, find a way to get you in here again, too. Uh, on a similar topic. But we want to say, uh, I want to say first, thank you, Pastor Nate, for oh, being absolutely. willing to come, uh, share your wisdom, share your advice. I want to say thank you to you, uh, all of you listeners out there. Uh, please, if you enjoy this episode, please be sure to share it. Make sure that you're following uh, our podcast. And last but not least, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a message on Facebook, on Instagram, or you can email us at thecurioushopepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. One last time, Pastor Nate. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.